to our December episode of Expanding Horizons. I'm your host, LB, and joining me as always is CT. Good evening, everybody. So, for this episode, we are covering two White Box series, which totally happened by coincidence. I didn't even realize that we were doing two White Box series until this morning. Uh, but we're doing, we'll be discussing the 2013 series Devil is a Part-Timer and the 2017 series Girls Last Tour. If you've never listened to this podcast before, basically what happens is CT and I recommend a series to each other to fill in one of the many gaps in our anime databases. Uh, we go off for a month and watch the series and then come back and discuss them. Uh, so before we get into our first episodes, though, I want to go ahead and mention that this is the holiday season. Um, the time of year when people like to give gifts to each other, we're no exception. So I did get a gift for CT and he's going to mm. open it live right now. And we're going to see if I guessed right on something for him. Go so I will, I will turn it over to him <laughs> to open it up and give his opinion. Why, thank you. Uh, this is the third night of Hanukkah for anyone who is curious. Uh, obviously, the holidays was considered a major reason for us to uh, pick both of these series because there's a, a Tanabata reference in Devil is a Part-Timer, and, and I guess Girls Last Tour has snow in it. So there you go. Holiday <laughs> <anime>. <laughs> and just so you know, I'm ripping it right now, so you know I didn't cheat and look at it already. Okay. Of course, I could be ripping anything. You wouldn't know. <laughs> Let's do the slick reveal. Oop. Damn, it's real. It's real stuck in this thing. It's wider than a Blu-ray. Wow, interesting. Zip hang, a future shock. This is must be ancient. It's got a Genion label on it. It is ancient. It is from, I believe, 2006. Uh, it has long since been out of print, uh, and it has never been relicensed, so good luck finding the rest of it. The reason why I got it for you, though, is because you keep mentioning that you like militaristic anime, and mm. this kind of came to mind, so, you know, enjoy it. It will, and you can give your opinion on it some other episode. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll have a little, a quick little mini intro in something here. I don't think I've even heard of this one. That's uh, I definitely uh, don't have anything of it. So that's that's great. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. So, all right. Uh, like I said, I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way. I'm glad that you you know, well, don't have it already, at least. I wasn't sure if this was something that you had picked up at some point. Nope. I mean, there's always the chance that it showed up in one of those, you know, right stuff grab bags, and I just don't remember. <laughs> but I don't remember having seen it before, so I, uh, I think this is new to me. Right on. Right on. <laughs> 
So, alright, let's go ahead, let's jump into the episode proper. Uh, just a quick warning, again, for those of you who have never listened to this before, we'll be discussing these series in depth, so there will be spoilers ahead if you haven't si seen either series. Uh, we're going to go ahead, we're going to start with Devil is a Part-Timer, so... So, as usual on this uh, on this series, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to ask you to briefly discuss what this series is about for people who don't know or have never watched this series before, and as usual, we're going to see how long it takes you to actually briefly discuss this story. <laughs> well... This is obviously the tale of the vicious ri uh, vicious rivalry between competitive uh, uh, fast food restaurant chains, uh, McRonald and uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, in no way parodies or analogs for any existing fast food chain. Of course uh, not. The, the conflict has gotten so severe that they have had to uh, summon uh, powerful magical creatures and beings from another world entirely to fight on their behalf. I, I think that's what I got. <laughs> All right, may, maybe it's the other way around. They, they might not be involved in it. So uh, this is a, well, you know, kind of a reverse isekai uh, type of show. We are treated to a uh, dramatic final battle between a, uh, uh, what is it, a demon king, a uh, devil lord Satan himself, uh, and a uh, gang of heroes led by uh, Emilia Justina, the most heroic of heroes in a, a uh, final conflict. The forces of good end up triumphing over evil, but evil runs away in a portal to modern-day Japan, where they discover they really have very little to no magical power and uh, have to survive out there by taking up part-time jobs. Technically not a part-time job, actually. It seems to be very full-time there, but maybe... maybe the hours are just under so they don't have to pay for medical insurance for me. <laughs> oh wait, this this is Japan, not a loser country. So uh, <laughs> we uh, so we we get to after our uh, uh, after our demon king and his generalissimo escape through the portal, they find themselves in modern day Japan and were treated to a, a bit of hilarity and sort of a reverse normal isekai fashion where the magical creatures are trying to figure out what's going on. They, of course, immediately get arrested. They're busy chatting away in their language and trying to figure out what's going on, use a little bit of power uh, in the service of creating identities for themselves so they can make it by here. Um, our... Demon King, our Mao here, has the plan, of course. You know, he's ingratiated himself and working for about a, a year at various part-time jobs, recently of McRonald, 
and uh, wants to become, you know, like shift manager and then assistant manager and maybe even manager, work his way up and then uh, take over the world. And after he uh, takes over all of uh, Japan and the rest of the world, he can triumphantly make his way back to Entei Isla, the magical world uh, everyone is from, uh, and uh, start, you know, another round of, of conquest. Uh, so naturally, the uh, kink in this plan is that uh, Amelia, the hero, is revealed to have followed him through the portal. Uh, she alone may manages to make it in time, but because she comes in right as it's closing, uh, she ends up in a different place and finds herself in the same sort of situation where... She has some celestial magic, but no way to replenish it. So she's holding it in reserve and has to get her own part-time job and then has to eventually find her way, you know, get a hold of, of Satan and foil his vicious plans, which are now just kind of weirdly, goofily charming plans of, you know, being a, a respectful citizen and... Uh, diligent worker of a lo local branch of McRonald and training his minions known as co-workers uh, <laughs> well. so everyone gets to bounce off each other in uh, fairly humorous ways but that is that is the uh, initial setup right on so alright as I mentioned in the introduction of this this series came out in 2013, so and it did get simulcast. So I'm curious, uh, how did you miss this one when it first aired? Did it was it just under your radar at the time, and you just never bothered to go back to it, or was there a particular reason why you never picked this one up before? Uh, I think it just kind of looked sort of silly and generic harem-y kind of thing. Uh, although, it, going from the cover image and uh, going now by uh, Maoyu, which we did earlier, you seem to have a thing for demon lords and their vanquishing heroes. Uh, <laughs> and the prominence of... Uh, Emmy's, uh, uh, you know, on the cover image all of the time. I actually thought she was the devil, and the rest of them were were the minions. I don't know. It, it just seemed like a thing that was like, okay, fine, if I get around to it. But it quickly disappeared under a list of other stuff that looked generic enough that I just kind of didn't uh, pay too much attention to it. And then later, uh, again, it's like, well, what... What does the feel have? It's more light novel. It's an isekai spin, and obviously, I'm fine with that to a certain degree. But it, until you, it never really had anyone else calling out to it as, "Hey, you should really, you know, watch this one." So uh, it is. It is only through your inclusion on various lists, and uh, also forcing me to <laughs> <laughs> that. That I finally get around to it. 
Uh, so the big question is, uh, based on what you knew about it beforehand and what you kind of thought it might be, how did it live up to expectations? Did it surpass them? Did it underwhelm you? Uh, it, I didn't really have expectations other than, you know, the, the general premise once you could make it out. Uh, it's certainly fine and fun enough. I'm not sure it surpasses expectations. My expectations were a bit different. So to to go down that path a bit, I was a little surprised to see, you know, fairly early on, we were starting to get other folks from Ente Isla showing up but not showing up as in, you know, they were getting driven away or they were chasing after someone for a reason. And then, oops, they get trapped over here and they have their pseudo-magical hijinks. You start getting allies of Amelia's, uh, like Emerilda and, and uh, Ende. You get enemies like uh, Olba and uh, Lucifer showing up. And you get huge conflict, but... Of course, the show being what it is, it has to be huge conflict that leaves absolutely no downsides at the end. It'll it almost be reversible by the by the time it ends. So they they quickly set up the shtick that uh, while Satan has a path to regain his you know huge magical powers, uh, after taking care of the conflict, he has to then repair all of the damage from it, and in the end, he's back to square one and has nothing. And in the meanwhile, he's not pursuing gaining anything more. He just gets it incidentally because the damage, uh, you know, the destruction is scaring people around. But of course, everyone's in a warded area. And so he's feeding, because he's a demon, he's feeding off fear and uncertainty and growing powerful. And then you get these fun, uh, flashy, high combat scenes. <clears throat> but as stated, it has to go back to square one, and then it continues pretty much as if nothing has happened, except you still have the, the folks sitting around who came through from Antaisla. So Lucifer, a former general who was going to betray him to, you know, to take him down so that, uh, excuse me, so that he could gain a place in actual heaven in the end, uh, you know, goes back to being a diligent servant and uh, general, you know, neat hikikomori, uh, <laughs> just hanging around being a, uh, a sardonic little dude. So I enjoy when the people are coming in and, and doing stuff, but I didn't foresee it being a, like a fairly regular two-way possibility since uh, Allies of Amelia could go back and forth. Oh, thanks, Yuri. Uh, since <laughs> Allies of Amelia can go back and forth, Emerelda, in fact, apparently goes there to deliver nutritional celestial force uh, uh, energy drinks and take back snack food. So, thankfully, we have a uh, requisite Pocky fiend in the show. Uh, <laughs> But because of that, I'm like, well, it, it's a little bit harder to sell the sticky bit of him just wanting to be a, uh, uh, you know, 
a diligent employee of a fast food place and uh, work his way up the ladder there because it's quickly realized that they can get back. Uh, Amelia just doesn't. She's, quote-unquote, having to keep an eye on him as opposed to, of course, killing him, which would make the show shorter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, going back, bringing in more people, taking them back in chains. It, it feels like if there is a two-way thing, more plot would be going on. So in a, in a way, the dramatic elements are a little bit, for me, at odds with the, you know, the comedic elements of it. And uh, I would have preferred to basically see everyone who shows up in the same situation. You want to introduce a new character? Well, you have this crazy new character from Ente Isla show up and, and do stuff. And uh, then in the end, everyone is still trapped there because they all, you know, lose enough magic power that they, uh, that they can't keep it up. Or it becomes something about, you know, how do they replenish it on Earth? Uh, and we know how Satan's does, and it happens incidentally, but because we understand that he actually cares about people, it seems. I don't know what was going on in Ente Isla. I guess the, the light novels will get into that, because he, he he's sure not very Satan-y. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the demons aren't terribly demonic. They owe him the loyalty as the leader, but obviously if it feels like there's this giant warfare going on. And we get similar in Maoyu, of course. You have the forces of good and evil, but they're a bit more complex than that. You have the the demons and the humans and the, you know, the religio sources. And then you just get the people at the top who are like, let's figure out how to make the world better. And they're striving towards that. You You can't get that to to this level on this show so it's uh, a little bit uh, it, I feel like uh, you know some of the actions of it are, are making it harder to absorb other actions of it but generally speaking it's easy to just you know toss that off and not think about it terribly much and enjoy the uh, the the general hijinks I just sort of I, I think like a 15% angled spin on it would have been uh, much more in my direction and uh, it, it feels like other shows of a type where you start with a small cast in a situation and the way to add more cast is to throw more of these ridiculous people into the same situation and keep bouncing them off each other. To be fair um, the anime for this I personally I don't 100% agree with what you're saying, but the reason why I can say that is because I've read the manga adaptation, and yeah, I can tell you that in the light novel and the manga, well, I don't know about the light novel, but the manga adaptation explains this a lot more, and it goes into a lot more detail about why people are stuck on Earth and why, you know, uh, like, uh, Lucifer or Rushihara whichever one, whichever name you want to use for him, <laughs> uh, are kind of trapped there. I mean, in Lucifer's case, the reason why he becomes kind of a neat in Sadao Mal's apartment is because they're trying to hide him from the police who want to come arrest him. <laughs> So that's the reason why he kind of camps out in their apartment. 
did he, uh, well, he, he seemed fairly lazy as well. So his personality, at the least, after he no longer had a big, you know, plan to uh, earn a, a spot in heaven, seems to be very much one of, uh, okay, well, this is, this is a, a handy situation. I'll just sit here and have fun. <laughs> and, and apparently they'll feed me. <laughs> so we're we're missing some scenes in the beginning. I don't I don't think it about that precisely. It seems to make sense, for instance, because I, I don't think Olba, you know, goes back and forth or Lucifer does. That seems to make sense from the unidirection. They come in to do a thing, but because Satan gains enough power, uh they have to blow all of those and he beats the ass out of them uh with uh, a fairly amusing punch to uh <laughs> Lucifer finish him off. And you assume that they're trapped after that. Maybe they're trying to do hijinks or not. Olba mostly disappears. He comes back a a little bit later, but uh you know when uh what's his name, the other one? <clears throat> Sariel starts to yeah. Uh, but it seems to be fairly well implied because it didn't seem like a one-time drop. Their chat, uh, uh, Emerelda and uh, Emmy are chatting with each other often enough. She's getting deliveries of uh, energy drink to be able to keep up some celestial force. Not that she really gets to go all out in the show, sadly. But uh, so it it feels like there's a connection there that they're just not doing it. Emerelda and and they show up and then go right back. Which was a little confusing as well. I feel like there's something missing from <laughs> from when they showed up to help Amelia. Let's find her and help her. And then they show up at the end of the Lucifer Olba fight. And then they just go back home without Lucifer, without Olba, without helping Amelia, without defeating Satan. <laughs> but with snack food. So that is definitely <laughs> an important part of it. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure I'm sure more gets fleshed out, uh, but that the just the existence of the fact that they're just kind of blithely chatting with each other and it feels like they can simply bring enough power to go back and forth would seem to imply, well, I could just beat him here, go home. Why am I keeping tabs? on Satan as opposed to defeating Satan, or why am I not trying to bring him back to face punishment in Ente Isla? It's a very, it's a very convenient neutrality that's uh, very quickly set up. And while you do start to get, you know, the, the feeling that the two of them uh, will eventually certainly be in like uh, with each other and are resisting it and, uh, She's doing the whole tsundere thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's still enough force in the beginning of it that with the existence of the uh, of the other stuff, I either felt that should have become an arc and resolved itself, or it it's just sort of a weird thing that's hanging there, especially after uh, uh, Susano shows up. Who, of course, is best. <laughs> yeah, so that's the entertaining thing. You you get a uh, character who is sent by a you know religio organization. Uh, she's basically a uh, assassin of the Inquisition, 
but one who's been, you know, used a whole lot out in the other world. She's sent to try to defeat Satan, and due to misunderstandings and everything else, uh, uh, she comes to Earth with an understanding of it uh, from old period dramas. So she she shows up and only owns kimonos and uh, has a very old style and polite style of speaking and of course is in clashing with everyone else especially chiho but uh but also emmy so that's the that's the kind of thing that's good she's sent on a mission uh she's obviously also absconded with uh uh you know when serial shows up to to do stuff but it doesn't again it doesn't feel like it's trapped in the same sort of way. Like we, we've heard, we've augured that Satan still lives and this uh, ancient ritual will send you uh, to him to, to finish Satan for good so that we can be safe forever and then go through, get trapped. It's, it's very much, she was able to study earth. She was able to, you know, walk in and do stuff. Uh, so it's, it's hard to match the ways that everyone is connected to Earth in this case, because of how uh, uh, Sadao and Alciel came through in the beginning. Poor Alciel. <laughs> <laughs> he is very much the butt of most situations, but he is highly entertaining when conflict happens and he shows up late because he had to go back to the uh, to Satan's castle, which is there scrawny little apartment uh to uh to get his cape and and satan's cape because it's very it's very important not to resolve the conflict but to look badass so yeah i mean devil is a part-timer the one of the reasons why i recommended this series to you is because of how many times i have watched it i have literally this has become one of those series that i'll put on for background noise whenever when i'm working and i just mm. don't feel like you know putting on something that i have to pay really close attention to so through that alone i've watched this series at least a few dozen times that is quite a lot of times short short of everything when i only had like six tapes to my uh existence i i don't think i've watched anything half a dozen times over it so uh the things i started with I, I have no idea how many times i watched i just kept repeating the tapes over and over so there's there's a difference <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean this is just one of those shows that i really enjoy um every couple has their own like inside jokes from what from stuff that they watch together. My wife and I have tons of inside jokes that stem from this series. To this day, whenever we order Katsudon, we call it Cat's Doom. Katsudon, I can see that. That's that's a pretty good one. So yeah, so they're just so this has just become one of those really enjoyable series for me that it still pains me that it'll probably never get a second season um i did some research into that and yeah i mean basically from what i understand uh this series kind of bombed in japan 
Right. So, although it seems a little weird that it eventually got a manga, like, recently. Or, uh, I think it got, did it, what the hell did the manga happen? Actually, no, I guess there's just more manga lately, that's what it is. Because I think the light novels have finally uh, finished up. Yeah, the light novel series just recently ended. The manga series is still ongoing. I personally am up to volume 14. I need to read volumes 15 and 16 because volume 14 ended on a massive cliffhanger and it's been driving me nuts (laughs) that I just haven't had a chance to pick up volume 15 to find out what happens next. I'm still taken aback that you're reading manga. Manga past where the anime went. That's... That's fascinating. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, I suppose it uh, it may not. You'd, you'd think they would give things a shot again. They seem to give old things, uh, you know, another shot long after you figure no one remembers them. But eight years later, it's like, eh, let's do a season two of it right now. And you're like, what? Uh, so well, you can you can keep up hope, certainly. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a few weeks ago. I remember I was browsing through the Japanese blogs uh, looking for stories to write about that day, and I saw Devil's a Part-Timer get mentioned, and so I immediately clicked on it, and I saw that it was just getting a rerun on regular broadcast television in Japan, and I immediately took a screen cap and posted it up saying don't tease me like that (laughs) yeah i was so mad at that headline it's like oh you do not bring up devil as a part-timer unless you're talking about the second season (laughs) just just leave leave it alone unless you're going to make me happy yeah it's kind of like the chihai fear syndrome yes well Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, panic enough to get season three. I'm hoping that uh, they will finish it after the manga ends, which still hasn't. It's very, it's very slow crawl through these final chapters. I think the author originally wanted to have ended it by now, but uh, obviously not yet. But when you get one chapter every month or two months... <laughs> 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 That's so good. So my question for you is based on your experience with the anime and I'm I personally have pretty much given up hope on this series ever getting more anime. I you know, if it happens great, but I'm not gonna put my hopes on it i highly doubt it's gonna happen so i'm not gonna you know get my hopes up at all and get my heart dashed a dozen times right uh but since it's probably not gonna get a second season would you go to the source material and check out more of it or was the story kind of bland enough that you're done with it by source you mean light novels or the manga either one okay i'd be more apt to get the manga i I certainly might at some point. I'm not in, you know, a hurry to do so. It's the kind of thing where, you know, I might rewatch it if your hopes are, uh, you know, ever made uh, 
made flesh and they do a uh, continuation. Even if they do the, uh, it'd be funny if they did the high school spinoff, just because like, <laughs> high school comedic spinoff. <laughs> well, I mean, they uh, did Attack on Titan Junior High. So. I know they did. And I really liked that. It was so dumb. Uh, glorious. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, I feel like there was a lot more for it to poke fun at itself of in uh, in that. So I'm not sure if the high school one is of the same uh, thing. It, it also seems hard uh, to do it because you know how do you have Chiho in the high school thing because she's on Earth and they're in Ente Isla. But uh, I guess I guess they'll reframe it somehow. I am bitterly disappointed that there was no Chiho archery arc. You get a nice shot of her doing uh, archery stuff in the opening. And then right there in the epilogue scenes uh, where they're doing it, you get to see her at uh, her high school club doing a thing. I'm like, oh, she she has something other than, you know, working next to uh, Mao and crushing on him the whole time and having an impressive bust. <laughs> I would have liked to uh, to to see that. Interestingly, the the end chapter you get a big climax uh, with the you know second to last chapter with uh, Sariel and uh, uh, Crestia and uh, all of that stuff, and of course, then you have to go back to uh, back to the beginning again. It was a weird thing to end on. I thought they were going to try to end on something. I was I was convinced the whole time that what they were doing was like trying to throw a a birthday party for Emmy or something like that, and so his whole plan was to you know distract her and keep her away. The boxes were delivery for stuff, and they were going to have a whole feel good way to get out because obviously they couldn't set up anything here last episode. Uh, but I guess it was just something else that happened in the light novel. It was literally you know a full thing, and then they're like, okay, now we're <laughs> yeah, I, how did how did she, you feel for the way it ended? Yeah, t- the well, t- just to go back just a little bit, you're not the first person I've talked to to bring up Chiho and her lack of archery, even though it's featured rather prominently in the opening sequence. Uh, I can tell you that eventually. In the manga, at least, yes, she does pick up a bow and shows that she can do something with it, but it takes a long-ass time, (laughs) which makes me wonder why they bothered to include it in the opening at all. It really boggles my mind a little bit. A Um, a neat little promo shot, even if it doesn't show up. It's a little weirder to have it at the ending epilogue things, excepting to be like, here's a cooler thing to show Chiho doing. And it feels like set up for season two. And, you know, maybe they thought they would get a season two at the time. Uh, they couldn't have known how how much, you know, what sales were ultimately going to be while they were storyboarding and setting up everything. So, but, uh, uh, but in terms of the final episode, I also agree with you on that, that it's just a really weird episode to end on um, because it doesn't really do anything. I can tell you that that chapter is there in the manga. 
Uh, and even in the manga, it feels really weird and really just kind of shoved in. It does function reasonably. There are parts of it that work well because, of course, it's Emmy who's helping all of them out at the end, just in this case with a financial thing and uh, uh, figuring something out to undo them getting scammed. And they telegraphed the umbrella a bit a bit too much in that episode. I would have liked to get the, the bookend with the umbrella without the previous her remembering it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you gotta remind everyone that it's there because that would have that would have made an in, a much more interesting actual final scene where they're on the corner. I'm just like, oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it's it's a reasonable coming to understanding more between the two of them, and you can uh, feel okay. You know, we're 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 at an even keel. We're we're back to square one as it were but the relationship between these two has improved and you know there will be more of that to come we are sure uh just in other sources uh but yeah the the fact that you know it turned into a big thing as opposed to sort of a celebratory going out kind of thing felt uh felt a little odd it's just a you know a one-off Although technically the stakes are very high <laughs> for for them to uh, have lost thirteen hundred dollars in this game, how does Lucifer fall for something? He's he sold some guy a hard drive for twenty bucks, and then he uh, agreed to a contract for 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 thirteen hundred dollars worth of stuff. I'm like, oh, well, he's he's a bit of a uh, bit of a pushover. He's socially awkward. <laughs> yes, that's definitely. Uh, again, poor, poor Alciel. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed that uh, that he and Rika had a thing. I would have liked to see a little bit more development between the two of them instead of instead of him being kind of the the butt of uh, a lot of jokes and. Uh, suffering from intestinal distress for at least three episodes pulling pulling him out of action uh but yeah i suppose that'll be it for anything if you have one core and you have a bunch of people and you have an extended storyline you know you see some interesting you know relationships between them i thought there might have been something more between susano and and ashia uh although when rika shows up but I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of like the coworker over here. We get, we get a whole lot of Chiho's coworker. We get very little of uh, for a while of Emmy's work environment. So it would be nice to to get a bit more expansion in it. And that's sort of what I thought the show would do a bit more of is the the down to earth things and how these hugely magical people are interacting with the world as opposed to still getting these outside threats from Entei's like coming in and big hugely magical battles. Uh I felt it was a little more interesting to have some of the incidental stuff like okay there's the earthquake over here. We know it was source, but you know, it anything in response to an earthquake, uh you have later on him trying to compete with uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, not knowing that that too is being magically 
impacted and the the previously mentioned Tanabata festival and making it work and you find out it works way too effectively and that's really because he's leaking influence out which you can frame as still dangerous even if he didn't mean anything bad by it it becomes a potential danger to you know the the humans around that kind of thing was interesting and i thought those sort of environments would get more more development uh because we don't get we don't get enough from Enteisla for me to invest in what the original world was like and where it's where it's going you get uh we get tendrils and we get these powerful battle arcs to have your occasional powerful battle in uh but but then they're they're left over the first one was good because we added lucifer to the cast uh the second one not so much also sariel is creepy as hell (laughs) so a lot of times when you and i discuss series you like to mention that you pick out like favorite episodes to go back to when you particularly enjoy a series did you have a particularly favorite episode with this series or did it all just kind of blend together it it blended together i mean it's not helped from the fact that i watch these things over the course of a, of a week or two maybe rather than uh weekly um, I don't know. I don't think there'd be one in particular that I would go back to. Uh, possibly, if if any of them, possibly the episode where Susano is introduced, because you get you get kind of the height of the confusion between the uh, between her and Amelia. You get the bouncing off, okay, you know, Chiho's jealousy. So you, you get all of the interactions going on, the the human-ended one, the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, what is it, the potential assassination stuff going on. This is after they've already been shot at and stuff like that. So uh, there's, there's a little bit more intrigue and there's a bit more entertainment from the misunderstandings going on there. And also, as previously stated, Susan O's best. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so p- potentially, but it, it it's unlikely to be. Usually, you know, the premium episode is in something that hits me particularly hard. So I don't have to go back and rewatch all of No Known Biori. I can get all of it through episode 10 but you know i love don't own Bjorn. <laughs> kids on the slope i'll go back and watch the uh, important part of episode seven i won't rewatch all of madoka magic i'll grab like the final two episodes and that's that's enough for me to do it uh but this is not one of those shows even even things like Mauyu aren't necessarily going to be shows that I would go back to. I might potentially rewatch the first two of those just to remind myself of the entertainment value, the the silliness of the intro and uh, her hugging the Dakimakura hero (laughs) and and then turning into a discussion about agricultural quadrants in the town over, stuff like that. Uh, But I don't necessarily need to revisit the, uh, the whole thing. So, uh, 
there there are bits of this that uh, that stand out, but not not particular episodes, and it's it's not something that I'm apt to to try to refresh or think needs refreshing. Okay, uh, that makes sense. I've stated if I'm like if I'm going to do anything, I might read the manga uh, unless season two comes around, and then I'll uh, I'll pull that back in. I can tell you that. And I know that I'm saying this a lot, and I normally don't say this a lot, but if you do decide to read the manga, or the series does get a season two, it will be worth going back to it, uh, because this, the material that would be covered from volumes six through ten in the manga, which would make up the second season, uh, would be comedy gold. I'm not going to tell you what happens because I don't want to spoil it. Uh, but yeah, the events of the second half of the first 10 volumes are comedy gold. And it still bothers me that no, it's not uh, going to happen. The universe may never experience it. That is sad indeed. Yeah, it's just another one of those unfortunate things. Uh, how much of it is tied to Mikichi? Because, of course, their their landlady <laughs> was a weird uh, presence in the beginning, and then uh, she flies off to Hawaii and uh, sends a, a picture of ultimate doom of her to Mikichi. <laughs> uh, but it, it feels like she has to come back and start doing uh, uh, crazier stuff. They have not gotten into uh, Me Kitty too much yet, uh, even though, like I said, I'm up to volume 14. There's some hinting and foreshadowing that's happened, but they have not really gotten into her yet, which is kind of bizarre to me. I really thought that they would have explained her a little bit more by now, but they... But no, the events of volume of season two probably won't involve her all that much. I mean, she has to be. I assume uh, the way everything will go is uh, she's actually, you know, the the one true god from Ente Isla who uh, left that world to uh, have fun on Earth, and that's why all of the uh, religious organizations went uh, a little bit wacky. The angels are out of control and the Inquisition is going on because God decided to become a landlady and, uh, <laughs> and, and go to Hawaii. That's, uh, that is my prediction. She deserves it. So, alright, did you have any other thoughts or opinions or anything that you wanted to bring up about this one? Uh, I don't think so offhand. I'm trying to remember if there was anything else. The the OP and the ED were good. Uh, I forget. I, th I think the ED never changes, uh, except the visuals change a little bit. So you, you get strangely a bit more Chiho in the, uh, in the ending with some, uh, fine panning shots and, and her leaning against the wall, chilling out to her music. I guess to be yeah, easy. actually, let me double check something real fast, because as far as I'm aware, there's actually like two or three ads. 
Uh, there certainly might be more. I'm not. I'm not really, you know, talking about a a one that was used as a one off, which may well have had it, but uh, the. I will occasionally mention a, a one-off ending, but it has to be mind-blowing, like uh, Kaguya's alternate ending there. Mm-hmm. They had, uh... They had apparently four endings. Episode 2, 5, and 13 all had different endings than the, uh, than the NaNoWripe one. Yep. Okay, yep. I knew... I had a feeling about that. Although the others were also NaNoWripe songs, so... Yeah. Uh, episode two was, uh, sorry, that wasn't another ending. That was the opening played as the ED. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the first time we didn't have an opening until after that then. So the open, we had no OP for episode one. It had to get straight into the action. And then that was the ending for episode two to establish the uh, thing. You know, your, your usual. I feel mm-hmm. like uh, White Fox tends to do this a lot, is shuffle things around and, and throw other things in. I'm, I'm not sure if it's that kind of a thing. I'd have to review their other shows. But uh, I've always found that ReZero is one of those that has just an excellent overall use of when to OP and when to ED and which one and, and how and inserting alternate uh, one-offs depending on the situation. Uh, it uh, they, they balance it really well with the action that's going on and where they want to begin and end each episode. Anywho. <laughs> so are we ready to move on to Girls Last Tour? I think we can move on. Alright. So, moving along to our second series, which is, like I mentioned in the introduction, another White Fox series, only this one is from 2017. Uh, This is a Moe Blob series called Girls' Last Tour. I'll explain the basic story as best as I can. Uh, So, Girls' Last Tour, as we promised in our 2017 Decade in Review podcast. We, we were going to have a full discussion about this one, and here it is. Uh, Girls' Last Tour is very much a slice-of-life Yashike. It's about two girls who are soldiers, uh, Chito and Yuri. Basically, they live in a world that's been ravaged by war to the point where there are only a few people left in this entire huge region that they are exploring with kind of no real aim other than to just keep going. And yeah, the series is 12 episodes of them exploring and having an occasional adventure, occasionally meeting someone else. Only that only happens like two or three times. Three times if you count the robot that they meet towards the end of the series. Four times if you count the weird cat creature they meet. Go Uh, But yeah, along the way, they have small adventures, they take baths, they find, (laughs) they, they find a furnace and factories that they can rebake some new rations for them to eat. Uh, They have 
wandering conversations. Yuri will occasionally sing a song about life being hopeless. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there really isn't a lot to explain about this series. Like I said, it's a slice of life, Iyashike. So there's not really a whole lot to it other than these two characters just having daily adventures and and calling them adventures is kind of a stretch. <laughs> so uh, that is true. And yes, in, in our last thing, I, I did uh, mention that uh, post-apocalyptic Moe Blah Biyashike was not a set of uh, adjectives I thought you could stretch together. And yet, uh, so this is, this to me feels like one of those 2017 shows that was very prominent. Now, maybe it was my perspective, but I feel like it hit people a lot of ways in, in the same way that Made in Abyss was very prominent. And I think in some of the same ways, because there are certain elements that they share, even if the tone is nowhere near the same. But uh, and you definitely watch Made in Abyss. Uh, so where where was this orbiting around you? Uh, and uh, was there a reason that you did not watch it at the time, or didn't pick it up later, or uh, did it not seem to have straightforward appeal? Honestly, in 2017, I was watching a lot of i was still watching quite a bit of stuff not as much as i used to but i was still watching quite a bit of stuff and i can't remember anyone talking about this series that was in my you know online or offline sphere no one was talking about it no one mentioned it to me I didn't hear, I don't remember seeing anybody really tweeting about it or posting about it on Facebook. Uh, it just kind of was one of those series that passed by without me even really noticing it. So when you recommended it to me uh, for this podcast, it was very fresh to me. I, like I mentioned did not have a whole lot of experience with it. I didn't know very much about it. I went into it almost completely blind. Interesting. When when did you join my Discord? That's important. <laughs> I'm pretty I sure that. I joined your Discord near the beginning, but yeah, I just... That's what I thought as well, because this, this was... Uh, uh, what is it? it? It was totally... For a long time, one of those uh, things in the more active as well. So, you know, there was a lot of us talking about it. even I'm seeing in the beginning, even uh, Karen was in that channel. So, yeah, you, you must have been around. Uh, <laughs> so the activity was you not looking, uh, what is it, at, at the channel. And I'm never entirely sure how you uh, how you utilize that, but we usually did a whole lot of screenshotting and other stuff, because this was one of those that no one had any real idea what to make of, but was always highly entertaining and screenshotable and uh, jiffable <clears throat> melty potato faces in the uh, 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 what is it? In the 
bath water showing the uh <laughs> an example of uh sheer satisfaction yuri's face getting squished with two books when uh, chito gets angry at her they had the <laughs> little, they had the little mini episodes that were going so i suppose it's mainly the perspective you know i wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to twitter i, I normally just chat with people who i'll reply to random people and people who reply to me so i think it just felt big in this case uh due to the amount of chatter we were doing internally i guess but, uh, certainly at the time it was uh it it was big and felt big i also feel like a lot of people have listed it as one of their favorite things to, to me it feels like it has a just such a strange appeal in general that it ends up being memorable for a lot of people. See, and for me, this, I'm not saying that this series was bad and that I didn't enjoy it because I did enjoy it quite a bit, but to call it memorable is kind of a stretch. I personally found it to be not that memorable. I would watch an episode, I would enjoy the episode, I would remember the episode for a couple of days, but then after I watched more episodes, uh, those the older episodes just kind of got pushed out of my memory, and even now I can remember scenes, I can remember some moments, but if you ask me to pick out like a favorite episode or anything like that, I couldn't do it. I could definitely do it. Um, but uh, I suppose what I mean by that, because it's very different, I believe, for Yashike in general. I mean, most Yashike to me has just kind of a an aesthetic and an emotional hook of some sort. And it's very much not attached to... Uh, the the day-to-day -day. you can't really remember a whole lot about what happened to episodes you just know that when you if and when you're going to revisit it again you sink into this weird otherworldly uh situation and you enjoy it and when everything happens you're you've reinforced stuff and you're like oh yeah i forgot about that but uh you know the the robot and the fish thing probably stands out the, the rain scene, especially because it's got the great insert song, may stand out for people as specific scenes. But yeah, the process of what happens and in what order always kind of melds together. You, I enjoyed Sweetness and Lightning, but I would be very hard-pressed to tell you what happens in anything other than there's one episode where she sings the shark song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and otherwise it's just the emotional appeal things like uh you know aria the animation uh flying witch i remember you know the uh, uh the one of the beginning scenes where uh and now i've forgotten what it is but she's pulling that uh mandrake root uh so there are certain elements of it that stick out and i remember and i'm like oh yeah i really like this character and oh yeah i really like this thing uh so i can see how in girls last tour there you know there are only two characters effectively 
because everything revolves around them. You get uh, camera guy and plain girl, and uh, they they appear for one episode each, and then uh, robot and fish show up later. So uh, you you don't have a lot of you don't have an expanded cast to be like different flavors in your bowl of Odin. You really just have uh, Yuri and Cheeto. Mm-hmm. How how did you find them as characters bouncing off each other, though? I really enjoyed them as characters. Like I mentioned, I I found the series quite humorous. I I laughed at it quite a bit. Um, not like hard busting up, falling out of <laughs> bed laughter, but. You know, I got some good chuckles out of their whole straight man routine that they had going on and the abuse that Cheeto would level onto Yuri whenever she deserved it. <laughs> Which was more than once. So yeah, they, they do feel like a a archetypical comedy pair. Uh, it, I, I find it kind of weird that you get you get these situations through Yuri most of the time you uh is who's normally just less understanding and more straight forward and and straight speaking so you get these things that would sound pithy but it feels almost zen-like due to the weirdness of the situation where you know she, you know she's talking about things and it's after a scene where they've been driving around and around the inside of a tower and it's like oh like life is like a spiral and you know <laughs> if that was said seriously in the middle of a thing but somehow you ponder it for a a time simply because of the mouths it's coming out of and the situation that they're in uh I don't. I don't know how much you you drew out of that or uh, paid any any attention to it the way it was uh, the way it was presented, or it was more about their uh, comedic bouncing off each other. Uh, for me, it was more about their comedic bouncing off each other. I didn't draw any particularly deep emotional significance behind a lot of the words and a lot of the actions that were going on in the series. It just kind of happened. Um, I think one of the big reasons why though, is that the world that these characters were inhabiting didn't always make a whole lot of sense to me. It was always a little bizarre to me that they that they were soldiers who were living in this basically dystopian world, and yet they didn't know like anything. They didn't know what sugar was. They didn't know what beer was. They didn't know, you know, a all these little things that, you know, how far into the future were they that they did not know basically anything about the world? Well, it seems to be the time is hard to frame. Uh, they, they aren't soldiers. They're wearing uniforms. 
but it's not like they were soldiers in a war that just happened to be what the clothing was. Uh, you obviously did have a rifle, so they that, that's part, I think, of the overall design and strangeness of it, but they but they're very much essentially, they, they feel like young kids. They're, they feel like they've been wandering this world for a number of years, and prior to that they had maybe an elementary schooler's education worth of living with their grandpa. Uh, so what, what it seems to be, and it, it, it's hard to figure out how they live. It does seem to imply that they were at the very raggedy egg edge dregs of where people were, and the remaining conflict took them out while they were escaping on, I think, one of the... Uh, uh, the the best uh, anime vehicles, the fact that they're wandering around this place in a cat and prod, uh, <laughs> which of course leans into the thinking of them as soldiers who did soldiery things, but it was really just their escape vehicle, and now it's their transport around the world. Uh, I don't think it's ever revealed how long they've been wandering, or what age they are now, what age they started off at, but it... Uh, it just feels like they escaped to an abandoned uh, area and have been wandering around ever since. And all they can really do is pick up through the wreckage of society. So they didn't have a whole lot to begin with. They eventually remember uh, uh, what things like sugar are. And they're, they're like, oh, yeah, we made bread with grandpa that time. But it, it, it's coming from a, oh yeah, when we were four, we made bread with, with Grandpa. And there, there were these things that you baked fresh stuff. They've, they've obviously been scavenging for a long time, so they pick up canned food and rations and other things. So they would have uh, had a little, a little bit there, but if they weren't running into food factories which had raw materials, uh, you know, they've they've been doing the zombie apocalypse equivalent of uh, looting grocery stores probably for, uh, for half a decade or, uh, or, or upwards of that. So it feels like the rest of humanity is mostly died out. And because uh, you never learn to read and uh, they're just making their way around, surviving as they can, trying to get to places and settling down. It, it's definitely hard to parse. Uh, for me, that's part of the singular and, and unique appeal of it is the environment that they're in is so utterly screwball. Correct, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. It, it feels like it's humans that expanded into an alien-created advanced technology and you know they forgot about uh where technology had gotten to they like it feels like there have been two or three wars that have taken this world down all of its pegs so there was the one where all of these cities would have you know gone into the sky and been amazing and then there was the one where you know probably there was a lot of destruction they were rebuilding after that and then there were the other people who came there. It, it feels like there's a lot going on. But with the camera scene, you do 
like the camera shows a a history uh it implies a, a lengthy period of having gone on but there's no way to tell it it, it has 50,000 or 500,000 photos left so you kind of feel like this could be an artifact of uh, a far too ancient thing so don't don't really know it defies explanation in in many ways it doesn't really need it because it you know survives on the uh ethereal quality of the weirdness of all of this and that like i said to to me that's why it remains that out of any iashike thing this is the most unique experience i feel like of them a lot of them have a different appeal aria has definitely a a unique appeal space venice is not one of those things that you really <laughs> use as a frame of reference for your day-to-day uh you know doing of stuff and i want to become really good at my job and it happens to be you know being a gondola pilot uh, <laughs> in the uh, on mars <laughs> which is filled with water now so uh i don't know whether or not it will draw you back at any point later or be more memorable because of it uh what what I was mentioning about Iyashike in general, though, is does that strike familiar from your perspective as to the stuff you consider Iyashike and your uh, your favorites of them and that general thing where it, it's much less... They're obviously not plot-heavy in general, but it's much less you can remember things from them other than individual episodes or individual scenes and otherwise it's just sort of a it's an it's an emotional home that you can revisit to get the uh the the particular emotions you got out of it well the thing is with iyashike is that in order for it to be properly healing and be properly calming is I have to be able to connect with it on an emotional level. Laid back camp did that with its characters. Non non Viori did that with its characters. Girls Last Tour, it was cute and it was fun, but I didn't really connect with the characters or the world. So it's not something that I think I'm going to go back to. At any point, if it gets a second season, kind of like with you and Devil as a part-timer, I might go back to it or and refresh myself on it. But, yeah, I mean, I think I enjoyed it for what it was, but it's not, it's not anything that I'm going to, you know, refresh myself on anytime soon. I don't think there's enough source for a, a second core but I do think it would be worth them coming back and just doing a movie to uh, revisit and, and wrap it up. That feels like the way to go. Uh, so you you don't have a... There is, you know, in human psychology, there are certain things, feeling the gaze of the abyss, feeling the call of the wild... Uh, there is a certain part of my monkey brain that is weirdly overwhelmed staring at 
you know, things that are mammoth and hard to contemplate uh, that would find it appealing to be, you know, last person uh, in the world, survivor of a particular apocalypse, because, you know, it it's, uh, I get to remove the the trappings of society i don't have uh any there are no more expectations of me i can simply kind of wander around until the end there's i think in me there's a weird psychological connection to it and that's the kind of thing that i definitely draw from this uh but if if that's not something that you connect i i feel like to connect to this that would be the angle of doing it uh, so I don't know if that's something that you do connect to for any for any other work, or if it's not something that has any any real draw for you, uh, generally speaking. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I've ever, you know, felt the pull of, you know, wanting to be the last person in the world or to just, well, okay, let me take that back. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would, there are plenty of times that I would love, you know, to just have the world to myself and have all the time in the world to just do what I want to do and just do and not have, you know, societal expectations or responsibilities hoisted upon me. You know, I'd like to just be able to be, uh, but you know, like I said, in this series, it just didn't, I didn't connect to it on that level. Gotcha. So but, uh, to, to spin around then, uh, with the same thing, were there any particular scenes? I don't even want to say episodes because most of the episodes, except the, the final one really <laughs> don't, don't tend to have an overriding arc. They're just moving from one thing to another. But were there any particular scenes that uh, that you found funniest, that you found most uh, uh, enjoyable? Easily the best scene for me was when they discovered the bottles of beer and decided <laughs> to drink them and Cheeto gets up drunk and hung over. I thought that was probably the best scene in the entire series. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. That's true. That's pretty, pretty damn, pretty damn warm and fuzzy. The, uh, the manga will bring the, uh, the last bottle of beer into play towards the end. So, uh, I guess then the more important stuff. Uh, what what is your impression of the uh, the opening and the ending and the uh, that song that they reuse for the rain scene and and in other ones? I don't remember the opening and ending all that much. I, much like the rest of the series, they were just kind of there. Um, I remember the opening and ending animations because <laughs> I loved the little dances that they did. I thought that those were very amusing and very gifable, and it, I will definitely be looking to add those gifts to my collection for no reason other than to just have Cheeto and Yuri dancing whenever I want. That's true. 
they also uh, dab in the OP, so there is that. You don't get a don't get a lot of dabbing in anime. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, the in terms of like music, uh, the music was good. I don't know if I'm gonna go out and acquire the soundtrack, uh, but like the insert song was definitely good. The opening and ending were you know there. I don't want to add them to my iPod, but mm. like I said, the opening and ending animations, I think, were probably more memorable to me than the actual songs. They they are great. I I feel that they enhance the appeal of the music to me, because I, I love the music uh, in general, and it's, for some people, of course, cast songs, quote-unquote, get... Uh, downgraded most of the time but i think if you have you know if your voice actors and actresses can sing well and they have a good song to sing then it's great i think the i think the mixing of the two of them uh is strong in general it's not just two people singing the same melody so i i enjoy their duet i feel like it uh works very well the uh that insert song, which is uh, just them going do 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 do, ah uh, man, it, it's it strikes a weird chord with within me that uh, is just all gushy. No, the best musical cue that I heard in the entire series was uh, Yuri's hopeless song. <laughs> That's true. I lo- I- yeah, I love that song. I thought that it was hilarious. So summoning her inner renge. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, I, I have definitely been playing these in Beat Saber lately, so I gotta, I gotta get up to uh, expert and expert plus on them. That's gonna take too long. And you have me <laughs> doing this anime music quiz stuff. It's hard. I need more time. I need one more time. One more time. So, one more time. Uh, but uh, yeah, the the composer for GLT seems to have mainly done TV drama stuff. Uh-huh. Um, they did do Luluco and Cells at Work, which both seem reasonably fitting. Uh, some of the ReZero OVAs, so I feel like he might be, you know, a known quantity for White Fox and uh, Golden Kamui. The uh, the director, I think both of the directors in this case have a wide mix, and there are things that you can see. It's like, oh, okay, sure, maybe. I don't think the director for Girls Last Tour is one that I would picture for Girls Last Tour because he did like Goblin Slayer and Persona Five as some of his uh, uh, bigger other titles, and the currently airing one about uh, boys surfing. <laughs> None of these strike me as in the same direction. And in the meanwhile, for uh, Devil is a Part-Timer, that uh, that director did did friggin' Mirai Nikki. I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, but then other stuff like Minami K and uh, Zodiac War and Shuffle, which is, you know, a heavy, etchy thing, so... <laughs> they they swing wide and none of them swing you know quite in the same direction so it, it amused me to look up that stuff what 
what really caught me off guard about this series at first was the character designs. I don't associate this studio with Moe Blobs. That's something that I kind of, that for some reason in my head, when I think Moe Blob, I think Hitamari Sketch, which means I think Shaft. Right. Uh, so when I first saw this series, I was like, oh, it's a Shaft series. And then I saw the White Fox logo appear and I'm like, oh, it's not even close to a Shaft series. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if they've done anything in that direction. It, it's hard to name things that are similar to this, because it's it's not even really, you know, Moe Blob, because it's also conveying just a, a huge level of strange, wrecked, technological landscape. The architecture in this thing uh, is omnipresent, but it's always, you know, strange and uh, uh, mainly disassembled. So it's uh, it's the contrast between them that works, and and neither of them, as uh, as you say, strikes me as particularly white foxy in in handling. Interesting to be sure. Again, again for me, and I think for other people, that's where it uh, it strikes me as as more unique and memorable. But. Mm-hmm. Also, interestingly, this has uh, an impressive, it has an overly impressive voice cast for something with this few voices in it. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't know. Did they did they do a dub of this? Or yes, did they, they did. Okay. Yeah, they did a dub. I may have to uh, check that out and see, but... Uh, Cheese uh, Inori Minase, who's one of my favorite current era and is just very huge uh, <laughs> right now. Also joined by Kanaha Nizawa as Nuko, who also does literally everything around here. And uh, Kanazawa, the map guy, is my favorite uh, male voice actor. Uh, the guy who who Maybe I'll be able to imprint his voice on your brain uh, if you take Tarakago after I force you to watch it. Uh, (laughs) That's where I got so much of him that I started noticing him in literally everything. With the sole exception being uh, Chrono Crusade, when you had me read that, because he's Chrono, and I'm like, that was unexpected because I was very much not his type, but you know, it was, it was mm-hmm. enough years ago when it was made to be a, a young dude. But uh, I love Akira Ishida quite a lot. Not that he had much to do other than be kind of you know forlorn, and uh, <laughs> but it's it's weird to have uh, five total voices, one of which barely speaks in normal English. Uh, because uh, uh, how how did they uh, what did they call the cat critter in the dub? Did they uh, call him cut or soft or uh, Nuko? Uh, they called him like cut. Okay, yeah, cut seemed to be used. There are various ways to translate it, apparently. Uh... <laughs> But uh, so Amazon definitely was uh, still the subtitle had it as cut 
those are definitely weird creatures. Did you did you think you were going to get a reveal of uh, what those statues were? I did not. I was really confused by the weird little slithery thing that they found and when it started talking and then in the final episode I even sent you a little note saying yeah that final episode is certainly something yeah the, I remember that so what what about it struck you in in particular because obviously it uh, was it just the uh, the the overall kind of tonal shift at the end and uh the reveal of the crazy critters that are eating nuclear warheads and turn into mushrooms and fly off. Yeah, it wasn't the tonal shift that hit me. It was the big reveal of these weird creatures eating nuclear warheads and turning into mushrooms and then, you know, floating off into space or wherever it is they go. You know, it was just that was what kind of boggled my mind. It was just like, okay, that is something that happened. <laughs> Definitely. It does uh, strike one. that That's part of what makes me go like, I assume they have to be a technological thing from the civilization behind where, you know, Kanazawa implies that they uh, are surviving on the wreckage of a, or not on the wreckage of, but on the structures of a previous civilization and are just trying to maintain it. Uh -huh. that's, where, that's where they have been at prior to, you know, the rest of them shooting each other to death. Go humanity. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, well, I guess it could be aliens, but everything else is so strange. The robots uh, in general, especially their their design, again, such an askew sort of robot design that is uh, boxy and weird and somehow cute uh, <laughs> and definitely strange and uh, can even be giant and destructive. Got, got a nice little Nausicaa-ish god warrior scene where uh, you blows up the block over. <laughs> so I yeah I remember that and I remember her being all giddy happy about it until Jito <laughs> you know reminds her it's like you just destroyed you know a huge swath of land you've got a whole lot of id going for her she is definitely entertained by things by experiences she's living life. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, don't don't really know what's up with the uh, with the with the Nukos. Uh, but uh, crap, I was going somewhere with this, and now my brain blanked. Stupid brain. <laughs> I, I suppose that's probably not going to be a. Uh, a proper form of nuclear disarmament for us to pursue. I think there might be more efficient ways to go about it. Yeah, I don't foresee us, you know, either inventing or meeting weird, white, squiggly cat-type <laughs> creatures who eat nuclear warheads. I just don't see that happening. Cuter, though. So, <laughs> I vote 
I vote we try for that direction anyway. Uh, so do you have any any final words about the girls and their tour? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, like I mentioned before, let me check my notes real fast to see if I, there was anything I wanted to mention. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember when I was preparing for this podcast... I wasn't sure what words to really describe this series until I came across one word that just kind of hit me. And it was like, okay, yeah, I totally get it now. And that would be bittersweet. This is a, this is a really, you know, sweet, fun series, but at the same time, it does leave that kind of bitter taste in your mouth at the end when the, fact that it's over and they still haven't really explained anything all that clearly and so you're left with kind of that wondering feeling of you know just what was this world and what did I just sit through it does seem to be implied that because uh, before flying off the aliens I forget their exact language, but it seems to imply that even the other two that we met earlier might be dead at that point, because they, uh -huh. they seem to say they they don't know of anyone other than uh, Chi and Yuri at that point. But uh, maybe they only meant the top level. But it, it seems like it's reinforcing that even the other examples of uh, humanity we saw at the end are, are gone, and so what they have left is simply more more of this but exactly no no real hope in that the situation will change just the uh you know them being with each other and uh uh put -put putting their little cat and crowd off in uh off into the end of humanity itself i did enjoy that last little bit in the final episode with Chito and Yuri, you know, and Chito expressing her feelings to Yuri and then telling her, you know what, uh, I don't mind this world that we're in as long as we get to spend it with each other. I thought that that was a really sweet little sentiment to end on, especially after Chito had, you know, abused Yuri throughout the run of the series for various things. I'm not saying that Yuri didn't deserve it at times, but still. They're wearing helmets, little little, you know, pipe love taps to the uh to the helmet are just to be expected. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I I thought that was very sweet. I think it also, you know, embodied the idea of friendship better and companion, you know, valuing companionship and, and friendship better than a million shonens, even though literally from the beginning, they're like, I like my friends and I want to be friends with all the people and make friends, 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 friends. And it's all about friends. I'm like, <laughs> Stop it. Shonen thing. Talk about it. it's all these damn shonen battle stuff. It's all about uh, friendship. Uh, uh, what's it? The the fairy tale and uh, Eden Zero guy literally is saying that all the time, and I'm like, shut up! 
but right there at the end of it, you you obviously get it between the two of them. But yeah, it kind of cements it right there at the end. And I think it does it in a in a very sweet and and meaningful sort of way, especially since, as you say, you're you're leaving it very bittersweet. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have on this one. I think that's a good note to end on unless you have any other questions or comments or anything that you want to bring up uh no questions no no comments i'll just let you know that i would uh happily put 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 around the uh apocalypse with you on a on a kettencrad if uh if the world comes to it that's uh that's fine by me i do think well, we'd probably die fairly quickly though yeah more than likely <laughs> from general uselessness. <laughs> so, alright, let's go ahead, let's wrap things up on that note. Thank you again, CT, for joining me for another fun discussion. I always enjoy these Expanding Horizons podcasts. It has been great expanding with you. And thank you to all of you for listening to us ramble on for the last hour and a half or so uh remember that these episodes go live on our patreon first that's patreon.com slash otaku review and they hang out there for a week before hitting major podcast subs- uh providers so if you want to hear these episodes first be sure to check us out on patreon uh if you want to do us a solid and give us a like share and subscribe as well that would be amazing other than that we will be back again hopefully next month with another two series for our discussion we haven't decided on which series we're going to discuss yet but we will announce it on twitter as soon as we know uh but other than that have a great night everybody that is of course expecting that humanity makes it out of 2020 and uh considering how the rest of the year has been going i'm not too sure about that but uh, (laughs) keep up hope if if we hit 2021, we'll, we'll let you all get all you guys know what we're doing next. But in the meanwhile, good night, everybody. Night.